0: About five weeks ago, we, we started this series in Nehemiah. We call it Rise Up. And Nehemiah is is probably a, an amazing Jewish man who was used of God to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And a lot of people like to look at his life for leadership principles. And you can look at Nehemiah and find a lot of leadership principles there. But But to be honest with you, The amazing thing about Nehemiah's life is not what kind of leader he was, and he was an amazing leader. It was really about his faith. The faith to be able to have a burden and then to see the provision made for that and to go back and to launch into what God is telling him to do and to see it completed for the benefit of the Jewish people That's a faith that you and I can learn from. Because the reality is that, you know, when you think about the walls of Jerusalem and their broken down condition, that really signified the wholeness and the wellness of Jerusalem because with broken down walls, they were vulnerable, they were in shame, and they really were not able to do anything about it. You think about your life, you have walls in your life. And some of those walls are broken down. You're not whole. You're vulnerable. You're in reproach. And these faith lessons that we've been learning from Nehemiah about are things that we can apply to our lives as we seek to do what God wants us to do, and that's rebuild the walls in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, even in our church. And today we're going to Look at the completion of the wall, and there's three more faith lessons that we need to see here, because even up until the point that they complete the wall, there's still opposition. So can I tell you that? As you set out to do what God is calling you to do, you're always going to have opposition. Just recognize that. Satan is not going to want you to do what God wants you to do. Unbelievers are not going to want you to do what God's calling you to do. There's always going to be opposition. If you're doing anything for God, you might want to write this down. If you're doing anything for God, just expect somebody's going to oppose you. And today we're even going to see that the somebodies can even be those who call themselves brothers. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes the opposition are from those who call themselves brothers. Christians, when you seek to do what God's calling you to do. So what we're going to do today is we're going to get into chapter 6. We're just going to look at 16 verses here today. And we're going to see that the wall is coming to completion, and it's going to be completed. But we're going to see three levels of opposition against Nehemiah and how he responds to that. And from that, we're going to get three faith principles. Okay, so let's take a look. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Samballot and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I'm doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before a fifth time, and an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations in Geshem, says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, Now these matters will be reported to the king. Come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things are as you, as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they are trying to make us afraid. For they were all, for they all were trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And afterwards, I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us go meet together in the house of God. Within the temple, let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. I said, such should such a man as I flee? And who is there that I should who and who is there such as I who would go into the temple and save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, and that he pronounced his prophecy against me because of Tobiah and Samballad had hired him. For this reason, he was hired that I should be afraid and act this act that way and sin, that he that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. May God remember Tobiah and Sambalad according to these works, and the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who have made me afraid. So the wall was finished. On the twenty-fifth day of Elu, in the, in fifty-two days. And it happened that when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Alright, so here's what we're gonna do, folks. We're gonna kind of basically divide it into two sections. We're gonna see, first of all, personal attacks. We're going to see personal attacks, and then we're going to see deception. Now, from these two sections, we're going to draw out these three faith principles. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, the deception. Verses 1 to 2 tell us that as the walls were being built up, his enemies realized that there was nothing more that they could do, but they decided to bring the work to a halt because they hadn't yet finished. Maybe the walls were built, but they hadn't hung the gates. That's very important, the type of door you have on the outside to make sure people don't come in. And so they want to stop the work because it's getting close to the end. So how they decide to do it, they can't do it by bringing an army. They can do it by discrediting or even getting rid of Nehemiah because he's the leader. So I want you to notice, first thing here, attempts were made to draw Nehemiah's attention away from the work. Attempts were made to draw Nehemiah's attention away from the work. So they said, let's meet together in the plain of Ono. Not Uno, but Ono. Okay? And what's going on there is, is that that would have been about a day's journey away towards Samaria. It's on the border of where Judea and Samaria are. They would have, he would have had to journey a day's journey away to get there. And it's spread among these villages out in the open, but who's right next door? Sam Ballad and his big army. So, so Nehemiah realizes, you know, if I go up there, I'm going to be away from the work, I can't oversee the work, and I'm going to be vulnerable, they can, what, kill me. In fact, the scripture says, what, do harm to me, okay? They can do harm to me. So they're making attempts to draw away his attention. Now, they didn't just make one attempt. Did you notice what the scripture says? They sent messengers how many times? Four times. Now, I know there's a fifth one. We'll talk about the fifth one here in a moment. But four times, they're trying to draw him away. Trying to draw him away. Now, I want you to notice how Nehemiah responded. Nehemiah responded by focusing on, on the rebuilding of the walls. Nehemiah basically said, hey guys, I'm in the midst of a big work. I don't have time for this. So I can't come. Why? Because his focus was single-mindedly on what he needed to do. Single-mindedly on what he needed to do. I'm not coming up there, guys. I got to finish rebuilding the walls. Finish rebuilding the walls. Now, let's get to our first faith principle. And we're going to talk about how it applies to our lives. Here's the first faith principle. Faith remains focused in spite of distractions. Faith remains focused in spite of distractions. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. I want you to think with me. We're into our sixth message now. So over the last five weeks, you have been wrestling in prayer with the Lord. Maybe God has laid upon your heart a broken wall that's in your life, maybe in your marriage, in your family, whatever, in our church. And you've made a decision before the Lord, Lord, I need to work on this broken wall. And so you're trusting him to to give you provision to do that, to give you strength, to give you wisdom, to give you the ability to start working on it. And you have been working on it, and, and opposition has arisen. Opposition is trying to keep you. Maybe whoever you're dealing with has decided that they really like things the way they are. They don't want you messing it up anymore by trying to make it right again. So they're opposed to what you're doing. We also saw last week that sometimes it's our own sin that creates the problem, right? And so we have to deal with our own sin. So here it is. You're trying to do this. You you prayerfully have decided you're going to do what you've got to do. But the problem is distractions keep happening either from those who oppose you or from other things, and they're all trying to do what? Sideline you from what? Rebuilding the wall in your life. Now, here's the faith principle. Faith looks to the Lord and says, Lord, you called me to do this. Lord, you gave me strength and wisdom to do this. Lord, I knew, I expected this. when I expected the opposition. I expected the distractions. But Lord, help me to what? Stay focused. Because you know the best thing that could happen is for that wall to be rebuilt, right? I mean, you're tired of living with the way that things are. You're tired of the wall being broken down. And you know that that's the best thing that you can do. But all this pressure, even internal pressure from yourself is saying, you can't do this. Just wait. Why do you got to do it all right now? And it's all trying to distract you from completing it. Faith principle number one, you keep focused. You say, how do I do that, George? How do I do that? Because I'm weak. I'm easily distracted. I don't know that I have the ability to do it. I get discouraged. How do I do that? Well, if you want to stay focused, where does your faith have to stay focused as you're doing the task God calls you to do? Not on yourself, not on the people around you, not on even how it's going. Your faith has to be where? On God, with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you're doing what he tells you to do. And let me just go ahead and tell you right now, when you step out to do what God's telling you to do, we already know this from the testimony of Scripture, a lot of times it gets worse before it gets better, right? I've already mentioned to you Moses Moses, go tell Pharaoh to set my people free. Moses shows up, set my people free. Moses, you got too much time on your hand. Make bricks without straw. Moses goes back to the Lord. Did I get something wrong, Lord? They're not hearing me. See, sometimes God has a purpose for when things actually get a little bit worse in the situation before they get better. But you have to remain What? Focused in your faith on who? God. God. F- faith remains focused in spite of distractions. Now, I want you to notice now, so the enemies, that's not working. Trying to get him away from Jerusalem, that's not working. So they go to plan B. Plan B now is, well, well let's look at it here. Plan B Verse five, then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand and it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. You also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you in, at Jerusalem saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come therefore and let us consult together. Here's what I want you to see: Nehemiah's enemies sought to disrupt the work through lies and intimidation. They sought to disrupt the work through lies, because notice now, Sam saying, "Well, you know, it's a, you're you're going to rebel against the king." You're doing this to set up a kingdom for yourself where you are the king. In fact, you've got prophets going around and proclaiming that there's a new king in, in Jerusalem, a new king in Judah. And he's spreading all of these lies and he's basically intimidating him now with these lies. So the, Nehemiah's enemies sought to disrupt the work through lies and intimidation. Now, I want you to notice, this is what amazes me, I want you to notice how Nehemiah responds. In fact, wait a minute, before I tell you how Nehemiah responds, how do we respond? Think about your life for a moment. If somebody all of a sudden started making accusations against you and using lies to make accusations against you, And they even want to intimidate you with these accusations. How do we normally respond? Anybody? How do we respond? You can talk. It's okay. How do we respond? You want to straighten them out. You want to react and straighten them out. Okay? All right. Anybody else? Bruce is honest. He'll tell you. Okay? What? You get defensive. Lori says defensive. How many would agree with Lori? You get defensive. And because of your defensiveness, you do what Bruce is saying. You want to straighten them out. Okay. What else do we do? How about overreact? You ever have that overreaction? Okay. Can we all relate to that? Okay. Now, I want you to notice. Okay. That's, that's George. My wife will tell you, I may look calm and cool as a cucumber up here, but as soon as some kind of crisis happens, I lose my mind. Okay? I lose my mind. Brad's saying, yes, George, you do. Okay? (laughs) Brad and I, Brad's known me for 17 years now. Yes, George, you do. Okay? All right. But I want you to notice now how Nehemiah responds. Look at what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah, I mean, it's just amazing. Look at the few words he uses. Verse 8, Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they are all trying to make us afraid, saying, Their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Here's what I want you to see about Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah made a simple reply that the accusations were not true. You're just making this up in your this is some kind you must have had bad Italian sausage the night before. You're dreaming this up. Nothing's going on around here. It's not what you think. He just made a simple answer. Now here is the second faith principle. And I want you to hear me, okay? Faith principle number 2. Faith does not defend itself in the face of intimidation. Faith does not defend itself in the face of intimidation. You know, uh, we live in an interesting county, and one of our historical figures from our county uh, was a pastor. Many of you maybe know of him. I think he died before my time. A.W. Tozer. How many of you have heard of A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer was born in Lejos, or Newburgh, okay? Lejos, P.A. And he wrote a little pamphlet that I have, that I carry with me all the time, Five Vows of Spiritual Power. Five Vows of Spiritual Power. Okay? The third vow of spiritual power says this, Never defend yourself. Never defend yourself. A.W. Tozer said, you should never defend yourself, let God defend you. Never defend yourself, let God defend you. If you like a copy of that, in a couple of weeks here, I can maybe try to get you a copy. They are available still. And, and it's amazing. And, and if you think about that, faith does not defend itself, because faith is where? Faith is on God. Who told you to what? Rebuild that wall, right? Nehemiah could have, look, I mean, think about it. If it was me, I could have, I would have said, hey, Sam Ballard, you got it all wrong. I'm here because the king told me to come here and do this. In fact, he gave me all, I got the proof. He gave me all these papers to tell the people to give me the building supplies. And, and, and yeah, maybe there's some people who are saying some weird stuff in the streets about me, but they don't know. I, I'm, you know, I would have been defending myself. Nehemiah didn't even do that. He says, no, nah, what you're saying is you're making that up. He gave a simple answer. Why? He didn't need to defend himself because he was doing what God called him to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith does not defend itself in the face of intimidation. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, when you decide to tackle those broken walls in your life, in the marriages that you have, in, in, the, in the family, in even in this church, you are going to be attacked. You're going to be opposed. And your natural inclination is to What? Defend yourself. But see, faith doesn't defend itself. Faith trusts God to defend itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where faith is. That's the second faith principle. Now there's a third one, and it's from the section that I call deception. Remember I told you that opposition isn't just outside. Sometimes opposition comes from among the brethren. Opposition comes from even among those who call themselves the children of God. And so I want you to notice with me, this is what's going on here. Let me explain to you a little bit of what's going on. He goes to visit a guy in Jerusalem who obviously is a friend. They meet at night. What Nehemiah doesn't know is that this guy is a double agent. He is a secret informer to to the enemies of Jerusalem. And so the guy says to Nehemiah, you know, they're out to kill you. Let's go to the temple tonight and hide in the temple because if you're caught out, they're going to kill you. Now that sounds like a pretty wise, profound thing to do. But the problem is that's actually going to create a problem for Nehemiah. Why? Well, I need to tell you about Nehemiah's situation. And then I need to tell you what God's word said, and then I need to tell you what would have happened if he did it. Because Nehemiah was an official to the king, everybody knows that, right? He was an official to the king of Persia. He was the food tester. Okay. Now, Because he was an official to the king, and the scripture also says that he met with the king and the king's wife, the queen. Now, can I remind you of something? Maybe you don't know this. The Persians had a law and a rule that men could not be in the presence of the queen unless they were eunuchs. Most of the officials working in the king's palace would have been eunuchs. Now, what does that mean? Well, they were made so that they could no longer reproduce. Now, you say, what does that have to do with the temple? Well, in the Old Testament law, when it came to the tabernacle and then came to the temple, the presence of God in the sanctuary, the blind, the lame, and the eunuchs, we're not allowed in the temple. For that to happen would be a major reproach to the law of God and would make the facility unclean. So here's what's going on. There's this Jewish double agent. He meets with him and says, hey, they're out to get you. Let's hide in the temple. The minute that Nehemiah walked into that temple, he would have lost all of his credibility with who? With the rest of the Jews. In fact, I want you to notice how do you know, how do you know that what you're saying is true, George? Look at what it says there. Look at how Nehemiah responds in verse 13. For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act, look at notice what he says, and act in this way and what? Sin. Just going into the temple wouldn't have been a sin, but it would have been if you were a what? A eunuch. So here's what I want you to see. The deception. First of all, the enemy sought to get Nehemiah to discredit himself. The enemy sought to get Nehemiah to discredit himself. Now, I want you to think for me a moment. God's laid it on your heart to deal with that wall that's broken in your life, whatever it is. And yeah, it's a result possibly of actions on your part in the past. That's what happened here in Jerusalem, right? Their walls were broken down because of what? Their sin. Babylonians came in as an instrument of God to punish them. Oftentimes, the broken walls in our lives are the results of what? Our sin. But God has laid it on your heart to do something about it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be pressure to get you to stop. And one of the ways that there's going to be pressure to get you to stop is to discredit you, to discredit your motives, to discredit your integrity, to discredit you by Causing you to do something that would only feed into the minds of other people. You shouldn't be doing this. Look, you haven't changed. Isn't that what they usually say? You haven't changed. The enemy sought to get Nehemiah to discredit himself. They're going to try to discredit you. But I want you to notice how Nehemiah responds here, folks. Notice what he does. He does not hear. In fact, he says, God, you take care of them you take care of them. You deal with them. You remember how they sought to discredit me. So here is the third and final faith principle. Here's the third and final faith principle. Faith maintains a biblical integrity in all situations. Faith decides that it's going to do the right thing no matter what, no matter the temptations, no matter the pressure, no matter the intimidation. It's going to do the right thing. Why? Because the moment that you do the wrong thing, you lose credibility. Do you understand what I'm saying? The moment you and I do the wrong thing, we lose credibility with any kind of discussion as far as trying to rebuild the walls in our life. So faith maintains its biblical integrity. And trust me, folks, I know this. I know this from my life. I can almost guarantee you it's true in your life. The moment you start trying to rebuild the walls in your life, you're going to be tempted to do something to get it moving or to protect yourself, and it's wrong. And all it's going to do is it's not going to help you. It's what? Going to hinder you. So can we? Can I just say this? Let me say this to you. Sin always brings destruction. Never help. Sin always brings destruction. Never help. So don't ever think it's an option to do the sin thing, the sinful thing to help you out. It's never going to help you out. It's always going to bring destruction. That's the nature of sin. And faith, because I'm trusting in God, I know that he's going to take care of me, I'm going to do what he's asking me to do, and I'm going to maintain my what? Biblical integrity in all situations. That's the principle. So let's wrap this up. When you think about rebuilding those walls you got to remind yourself of some things. Number one, the desire that you have to rebuild, that didn't come from you. That came from God. Number two, when he tells you to do something, he will always give you what you need to do it. He will, through whatever means, give you the wisdom, the strength, and the provision for you to do it. You just have to trust him. Number three, you need to recognize this, that as you begin rebuilding those walls, not everybody's going to be happy about it. Does everybody understand me? Not everybody's going to be happy about it, and they're going to do what they can through multiple ways to intimidate you, to distract you, to keep you from rebuilding the walls. And then finally, number four, even bigger Even the biggest problem outside of the opposition is your own sin. You got to deal with the stuff in your life as you seek to rebuild the walls. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize that wall is rebuilt. Here's the amazing thing I mean, you think about it, they didn't just build a brick wall to keep the enemies out. We're talking thick walls that you could probably ride a chariot across on the top. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, the scripture tells us, are you listening to me, in 52 days. You say that's impossible. I would say, yes, it is. But I'm going to tell you right now, who built the wall? They did, but who ultimately built the wall? God did. Listen, my friends. You just keep doing what's right. Don't defend yourself. Maintain your integrity. Keep your focus where it needs to be because you have faith in who? God. And one day you'll wake up and you'll see what? That God has rebuilt the walls in your life, in your marriage, in your family, and in this church. Now you're saying... So we're done with Nehemiah. Oh no, we're just starting. Because the last half of Nehemiah isn't about rebuilding walls. It's about your character. See, because the last half of Nehemiah now, and this is what we're going to talk about in the future, is about the things that they needed to set right Because if they didn't set them right, they were going to be back in the same situation that they were when the walls were first destroyed. So as we're seeking to rebuild the walls in our lives, we're going to now shift our focus to what over the next few weeks? What does God want us to do about our lives so that we're the type of person that he can use to have solid walls in our lives? Let me pray for you.